Welcome back to Longevity Now, the podcast for all your news and views of life extension from around the world. One possible sign that a rejuvenation company or therapy has potential is longevity. Over the course of the last two decades, there have been many that are just a flash in the pan, exciting ideas that never really materialized. Today's guest not only has staying power, but seems to be rather healthy as well. For the third time, we will interview the founder of BioViva, Liz Parrish, and find out if the gene therapies they are working on are any closer to human clinical trials and the rejuvenation marketplace. And now I would like to welcome to the Longevity Now podcast, Liz Parrish, founder of BioViva. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me back. Yes, it's wonderful to have you back. And of course, a lot of the listeners are well aware of your story. One of the first people to do gene therapy on yourself, one of the original gene therapy biohackers. And it's been a few years since that first experiment. So why don't you give us a little update on how you're doing? How is your health doing? Uh, Biomarkers, things like that. Sure. So in 2019, we did another spectrocell test and we saw a little bit more lengthening from the first gene therapy. Lengthening of telomeres. Uh, Telomeres. That's right. And then, I mean, okay, just a few days ago, I got more blood work back. And I mean, my blood work looks, it just looks good. You know, I mean, I'm not pre-diabetic. I'm not in any risk categories, which is which is what we would look for. So my um, hemoglobin uh, A1C was 5.4, which is fantastic. My triglycerides were in a great level. All of my uh, blood markers and uh, levels are are in a healthy area. So, I mean, outside of that and my telomere length, which hasn't changed too much, but it changed a little bit from the, what was it, the 2016 report to the 2019, was it really so far in between there? I doubt it. There's probably one in there too. And now, you know, we're, we're on to next level things. We're on to more gene therapies. We're on to uh, experimentation in mice with a new viral vector delivery method. And of course, you know, we work with medical tourism to get as much data on humans as possible. And so the culmination of our six-person dementia study is is riveting, and that's what we're focusing a lot of our attention on at this moment. You mentioned a new viral vector delivery method in mice that you're studying out. Is that the Rutger University study? Yeah, so that's what we're doing at Rutgers University. So we will go on to do a myriad of different things with this new delivery method, but we're basically using CMV, which is the cytomegalovirus, in order to deliver bigger payloads. So we started uh, with reproducible uh, type of technology to see if our vector worked as well as other vectors out there like AAV and lentivirus. And lo and behold, it it did. It it really performed incredibly well. It is redosable, which means that there were no immune effects to redosing the therapeutic. And in for TERT, we got a 41.2% life extension, which is really significant. And when this paper comes out and you see the images, um, if they don't put in all the images, they will be doing us a disservice. It is quite extraordinary. The difference between these mice, the lab technicians said that our treated mice look like eight-month-old mice 
when they were, you know, upwards of 20 some months. So the significance of this study was that they were wild type mice. They're not genetically engineered in any way. And none of them were treated until they were 18 months. And there was a control a secondary control that just had the viral vector given to it. So we made sure that the viral vector itself didn't shorten the lifespan of the mouse or affect it in any way. And then there was a folostatin group and a, and a telomerase group. And both of them had pretty significant life extension. So folostatin, another one you mentioned there, that's the same uh, therapy that you did on yourself back in yeah. 2014, correct? Yeah, I did uh, folostatin and telomerase. Induction, yeah. Telomerase induction, that's right. Now, you mentioned a bigger payload could be taken up by this new viral uh, vector delivery method, and you must have some other thoughts in mind of other particular gene edits that could be done, perhaps. Is that the goal here in a couple of years? Yeah, so this is just gene therapy. So we could do editing with this uh, delivery method as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I mentioned I said gene editing. Um, oh, obviously, that could be done, but just gene therapy is what I actually meant. Yeah, yeah. So the great thing about this delivery method is it's much like some of the AAVs. It creates an episome. It doesn't integrate. There was no increased risk of cancer in the mice, so no carcinogenic side effects and and no unwanted uh, side effects. But the size of it is what we're particularly interested in because treating aging it's not going to happen with one gene. We know that. Can you do it without some of the genes that we're looking at? Maybe some of them, but probably not. You're going to have to lengthen telomeres. So whether you do that with cell reprogramming or you do that by adding a gene that activates uh, telomerase reverse transcriptase, you're, you're going to have to lengthen those telomeres if you really want to uh, increase cellular division. So that one, yes, Clotho, maybe PGC1-alpha probably would be beneficial uh, if you're looking at performance. Folostatin, you know, it maybe making a, a youthful cell profile will increase muscle mass, maybe back to where you had it before, but you may want to increase muscle mass more significantly if you didn't have very much to begin with. So anyway, the genes we're still vastly sourcing, but just for our four candidates that we're interested in right now, they would all easily fit into this vector um, in one payload. So what problem is that solving? Well, AAV today, so if, if somebody comes in and they wanted to do all four gene therapies with AAV, they're looking at, you know, what could easily lead into a toxic dose if they wanted high levels of all of those gene therapies or even really high levels of one of them. Uh, AAV is pretty hard on the liver, so you would be taking that, and if you were giving the same dose of all of them, which you probably wouldn't be doing with those four genes, but if you were, you would be cutting the therapeutic dose into a fourth, and maybe even better than that due to the fact that this vector is also really quite proficient at getting into cells. So BioViva would then tend to think that gene therapy is kind of the holy grail for rejuvenation therapies. Obviously, you are well aware of many other efforts around the world to reverse aging and to rejuvenate some more damage repair type situations. Some are hormonal. There are just a lot of different efforts going on, but you are primarily just focused on gene therapy, correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, with gene therapy, it gives us the ability to, to affect what happens, what we call upstream. So things like hormones and inflammation and, and, and even senescent cells are downstream effects of, of aging, of aging cells. And so in order to control that uh, mechanism of aging in the most proficient way, uh, we believe that gene therapy is the number one resource or modality to cure aging. Yeah, and what do you think about the other types of problems that develop in aging and with aging cells like intracellular cross-links and undigestible junk, for uh, lack of a better term, that builds up that wouldn't seem to be able to be taken care of by the body, even with gene therapy? Or is there some process by which you think that cell division will eventually rid the body of all the uh, various problems that develop that are not related to you know, genetic division and genetic evolution throughout aging? We can look at some model organisms that, that tend to clear up damage uh, pretty well. We can look at different gene therapies that help the cells stay as youthful as possible to clear as much damage as they possibly can. There is a good argument that we may need some secondary modalities uh, like small molecules, but if we can solve these problems genetically, that's what we'll want to do. And so what we would do is we would look at cells that accumulate the least amount of damage in humans over time, and then we would look at model organisms that accumulate the least amount of damage over time and then use that as a model to move forward. So certainly, you know, when we look at the palette of what we can do with genetics, human genes are not the only genes that we can use. We can start looking into other areas. It's just that that takes us back to basic research. Our our company is all about bringing the technologies that we can bring to humans today, now, and then, of course, uh, expending some amount of energy looking at uh, next generation or even third generation type of technologies. So I wouldn't count gene therapy out entirely uh, for solving the problem, but I also would preface that with, for a very long time, we will probably need some secondary modalities. Now, some of the things that people look at, though, may in fact be a bit prohibitive in the long run to do, let's say if you wanted to have your blood exchanged, you know, indefinitely, uh, but maybe not. But so I do think that gene therapy is the modality to tackle the most of the issues, the most that we possibly can as we learn more about genetics, hopefully we will be able to solve the entire problem. But, you know, environment and what you eat and everything else playing a role in your health, there will always be room for improvement with other beneficial modalities. Okay, and just looking at your website recently, BioViva, and uh, getting on your newsletter, uh, I see that you've branched out into a lot of testing service. And how was that decision made? What Did BioViva just um, think that there wasn't good enough aging biomarker tests available? Is it something that an infrastructure that you wanted to get built out before the gene therapies arrived in, in mass? Yeah, so that's a really good question. How the heck did that happen? It, it happened for many of the reasons that you just mentioned. We wanted patients to own their own data and we wanted to make sure that we had 
core research data. And so, for instance, the Timekeeper came about for the reason that when we were working with other epigenetic companies, we weren't able to own the primary data, you know, what comes out of the initial analysis. And so this gave us the ability to not only own that, but give that to the participant so that they could look at that over time. Plus, we're running 850,000 data points, and that is important for the future of the research. Glycan age, I think, is an excellent test. Uh, we would definitely want to do that pre and post in people who participate in therapeutics are the NAD testing and the senescent cells are you know fantastic tests that you'd be hard-pressed to find anywhere else in the world and so we're excited about those tests and then we have some more that will be going online as well that are research grade significance uh, sort of tests and so hopefully you'll see those go online over time uh, we would love to become the hub for where people go for these tests we don't charge any more than you would find them anywhere else and we want to branch out we, we want to help other companies that are looking at longevity who are actually have seriously excellent tests you know something that that isn't just you know a few data sets but actually is a a bigger profile that can help us uh, solve the aging problem and we're actually going to launch for german shepherds and labradors this is a shout out you have a purebred uh, German Shepherd or Labrador, we're doing free telomere testing for 50 each of those breeds. And um, that's really exciting. So that's a free product. Now, people have to go to their vet. They got to pay for the vet visit and all their travel and things like that. But we'll send you the kit and then you send the kit back to our lab. And this is a lot going on for BioViva right now. I mean, Okay, and then also you mentioned a couple of uh, research uh, efforts that BioViva is engaged in right now, the dementia uh, research and then also the uh, new viral vector delivery method with the mice. W anything on the horizon that you're also uh, delving into here in the next uh, year or so? Well, I think that what you're going to see is we're going to start about every three months coming out with more and more information of what we're finding. So research and development is sort of a, a deep area. So that may take uh, longer periods of time in things like new therapeutic delivery. So you might have noticed that, you know, when we started working with Rutgers, you know, over two and a half years ago, things were pretty quiet until now. And we will just have then one great advancement, hopefully over several years, each several years with that sort of research and development and start to get a new therapeutic platform for humans that's a better therapeutic platform in gene therapy. Uh, more efficient, uh, bigger payloads, and less immunogenicity. And then in the um, IHS space, what we do with medical tourism, I hope that our hope is to, you know, every three to six months have new data coming out, new information streaming out from, from what we're actually seeing. And that will help build our therapeutic platform on the deep research and development side. And then on the testing side, you know, you're, you're just going to see announcements here and there for new products that we might be carrying, uh, maybe some reasoning behind why, why we're interested in those products and the relevance of and the importance of that data and how it's playing into therapeutic development. It's all a bit of a, you know, a triangle that, that, that just essentially feeds itself. So 
everyone who participates in BioVivas testings offering definitely are um, helping support us move forward. But I will preface that with we are not making big profits on any of those kits. They are very expensive kits. The timekeeper is enormously expensive. Most of the cost of the kit is is the actual um, analysis and and data gathering uh, behind it. It's really robust. So yeah, we're excited about people getting interested in the development of the company in several ways. So kits, participating in therapeutics, and and watching our research and development and sharing information about it. Okay, uh, with IHS and the medical tourism aspect, do you have any hope that there will be a change in the regulatory environment that will make your type of research a little bit easier to conduct? Absolutely. And so what we're hoping to show as we start to release study data is that studies can be done exceptionally well outside of the regulatory system and that there needs to be a new regulatory body for this type of research, that the 100,000 people who died today of biological aging should have had access access to this technology right here in the United States. Ship them in from everywhere. Let, let's get testing. Uh, let's use the experience from COVID-19 as proof of concept that we can move technologies actually quite quickly these new vaccines coming through that are the mRNAs are essentially a super short-acting gene therapy. That's fantastic. But how do we start meeting the biggest unmet need on the planet? We need to start mobilizing against biological aging. And then lastly, is there anything on your personal table here coming up as far as any new therapy? Are you engaging in any other types of modalities, let's say, as you mentioned earlier, for uh, rejuvenation or just uh, plain optimal health, uh, things like that? Obviously, you did one of the first gene therapies on yourself, and you haven't done anything too much since except monitor things. Do you have any plans for any gene therapies coming up? Well, yeah, actually last summer I participated in uh, the Clotho and the PGC1-alpha on top of my gene therapies that I already had done. So that was really fantastic and we're tracking the data on that. That's why the most recent data, um, the last two blood works that I've gotten have been significant to, to watch and see what happens if we see any sort of major changes. So far I'm staying in the healthy realm and I look forward to seeing what happens with some of these more in-depth tests that we're using now that we didn't have originally when I first uh, did my gene therapies. And then one thing that I'm participating in uh, is quarantine. And so since I have the ability to work from home, uh, I'm not traveling. I am participating in what's called getting better sleep than I have for years. <laughs> and that is fantastic. I suggest it to anyone um, who, who hasn't tried it. It's revolutionary. I feel like I'm just getting healthier than ever. You know, I mean, the when I did the gene therapies in 2015, essentially I did them. We announced that I did them. And then I ended up on one plane after another, talking to regulatory bodies, you know, meeting with ministers of health and trying to encourage them that now was the time to use these technologies, that people uh, should have access to these technologies, and that if they didn't and we were not using uh, technologies that could save lives, that that was 
really an act against humanity. And um, so uh, I spent a lot of years doing that. And um, now I'm getting some some good rest and I'm ramping up for our next opportunity. When things open back up, we're, we're going to have a lot more to talk about. Well, that is wonderful. It is well known that sleep has uh, many rejuvenating effects on the body. So I'm glad you're doing better in that regard. Well, it's great to hear of all the progress with BioViva. And Liz, we wish you the best of luck in future endeavors and the studies. We look forward to getting more data in the near future. Thanks for joining us on the Longevity Now podcast. Thanks for having me. Not everyone is sold on the BioViva gene therapy approach to rejuvenation, but that does not matter. What matters is that the company continues to move forward and more human and animal data will be arriving this year. We will find out soon whether or not BioViva will become a leader in the field. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.